Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 196. And today we're talking all about ISTE and other large conferences. And today we're going to be sharing with you our tips and tricks on creating multi-hour presentations. We're going to take you through the entire world of proposing, preparing, planning, and executing an amazing presentation. Don't forget, we've got some great things going on over on AskTheTechCoach.com. You can, of course, check us out over on Twitter and sign up today for our free instructional coaches group. We've got two amazing opportunities, one on LinkedIn and one on Facebook, almost at 500 members. Would love to have you be the 500th member. Join our Facebook group. We've got a lot of great stuff going on this summertime, and we're looking at doing probably two, maybe three uh, live sessions for you guys this summer. My first guest today is a fifth grade teacher from Manteca School District in California. My good friend, Tammy Dunbar. Tammy, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm doing terrifically well. How are you doing, sir? I am so happy. I'm so excited. The school year is almost over. Uh, ISTE's right around the corner. Uh, we had an amazing NCCE conference. But enough about that. What's new in the world of Tammy Dunbar? Well, gee, gosh, I've only got one more day of school left, and I am sad about it because I had the best class I've ever had this year of fifth graders, and I love them, and I'm going to miss them. What made it the best class ever? I think because they were so engaged in everything that we did. I teach at the Manteca Online Academy in California, 75 miles east of San Francisco, and these kids were so engaged in the projects that we did. We have an online curriculum. We use Calvert Learning, but... We're allowed a lot of leeway, so we added in all kinds of different technological flip gritty wakelet thingies, you know, mm -hmm. creating movies and photos and just having a blast with Pixton and just they just really came through. I mean, I had 100 percent attendance in, in all my online classes and everyone's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, we use Minecraft. We use all the tools that engage students and elevate learning. That is awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about that today and certainly looking forward to hearing about your successes this year. Our next guest today is the director of Citywide Ed Tech in the uh, city of New York City here. I want to bring on today Jackie Patino. Jackie, how are you today? It's Friday Eve, so I'm doing great. <laughs> it is one more day, one more day of the week. I'm good. It is so great to have you back on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How's things? How was the year in New York City? It was interesting. So I started this new job. This whole director of citywide ed tech is a new gig for me. I started in October and it's sort of a remote position. I've actually never really been in person with my team fully. So kind mm. of doing this whole team building, relationship building virtually because we're all over the place. Um, I'm personally in Staten Island um, and I get to see them once in a while, but Really interesting to start a new position right after, well, sort of after the pandemic, still in the midst of it. But, you know, it's, it's been a very big learning year for me. What have you learned that's going to help pro propel you for next year? Oh, God, there's so many things. Don't take anything personally <laughs> and set boundaries. <laughs> Those are two very good ones. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be at the ISTE conference, I believe, right? I will. I'm super excited. I love New Orleans. What are you looking forward to? Honestly, just seeing people in person. Seeing people in person, beignets and oysters. That's it. And learning from my friends. Certainly looking forward to all of that stuff. Uh, you and I uh, caught up this year as part of the ISTE Community Leaders Program. Um, for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about that. What have you been doing with it? What does the ISTE Community Leaders Program mean to our listeners today? I mean, personally, I think it's a really great way, again, for us to be able to network together, kind of really bring all of us into one space. The community leaders um, 
kind of took the place of the PLNs that we were doing, you know, kind of a revamping and a rebranding of everything. Uh, we were in the podcasting group. So that was, that was our fun venture this year. I was a little bit of a slacker in the group. I'm not going to lie, but due to the fact that the new job and everything, um, but it's been a place where we've been able to share and kind of like bring our ideas to life. So Welcome to the show. Our next guest here is a amazing author and instructional coach, and I'm going to be seeing him also at ISTE. Uh, Adam Juarez, how are you today? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back, man. I uh, wish I could have made it a couple weeks ago, but uh, life happens, and, uh, but I'm, I'm here and uh, glad to be back. I am so happy that you're here and looking forward to seeing you at ISTE. You and I are almost sharing the same stage. We've got a, our Google presentations on Monday afternoon. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what are you doing these days? Well, I'm Adam Waters, a great uh, 6012 uh, tech integration coach for Cutler Arosi Joint Unified School District out here in rural central California, finishing my seventh year on the job in this role, 17th year overall. And, uh, and you know, like Jeff said, we're gonna be can't wait to to get to ISTE and see everybody. And uh, it's been it's been too long. Look, really, really looking forward to it. You're also um, you're all over the place these days, right? Every time I look at an ISTE sign, there you are, man. I want to say congratulations for all the great success that you had this year. Yeah, it's 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 an honor to be uh, to be a featured voice. Both my, my wife and I, Catherine, uh, we are uh, <clears throat> be featured voices. So that that was kind of a kind of be a cool experience. Not, I'm not sure what that means or what to expect, but, uh, you know, it means people come up to me a little bit more. I'm not used to that, but, uh, it'll be a great way to, to, to meet people. So it's, uh, I mean, people coming up to me that that's what I've did for years. You know, I'm going to conferences and I, I badge stock people. I'm looking at the badges. And I see the names like, <laughs> Oh, I know you from Twitter. I know you from Facebook. And then we have these great conversations and then all the learning happens. So, uh, maybe if they see my name, that's going to happen more. I'm going to get more of those really cool uh, experiences. I, I love that. I've never heard that term, badge stalking. I like that. Um, you uh, recently published a, uh, a coaching book. Yeah, uh, we're on the shirt right here. Uh, the Complete Ed Coach, an organic uh, approach to supporting digital learning. My wife and I uh, co-wrote the book that we wish we would have had when we started our tech coaching journey. Journey, so so uh, don't be uh, don't be uh, fooled by the. Uh, um, uh, the title there's something for everybody in education not just tech coaches but that's kind of the the angle that we are coming from nice thank you for being here on this show our next guest today is the executive director of instructional technology for pickerington schools in ohio brian seymour how are you today welcome to ask the tech coach i'm wonderful jeff we uh we're actually a year out, or a week out of school already so um it's been a nice quiet week to get work done already <laughs> It is amazing this time of year. Half the teachers are on, half the teachers are off. I know like we're recording this right now, May 26th. We've got another month or so to go for ISTE. I have another month or so to go to school. Tammy's got one more day. Uh, Sue, who couldn't make it today, she's officially off. Wow. What is going on with all this stuff? I know the big focus this time of year is the ISTE conference. That is why I'm so excited to have everybody here to talk about presentations, planning for presentations, multi-hour presentations. Tammy, you're no stranger to this. Talk to us a little bit about maybe a good memory that you have from presenting in one of these massive conferences, massive multi-hour workshops. You know, I tell you, I, I presented several times at ISTE and I love doing it, but it really does require some organization ahead of time. Um, I, my husband, always, he's a journalist and he always says that 80% of any successful project is thinking and planning. So I remember the times when I was teaching Microsoft products and all the planning that I put into and putting myself in the seat of the people who are taking my courses. So I don't want them just to sit there and listen to me be like a Charlie Brown grown up, you know, it's got to be a lot of hands-on. I mean, I had some super fun one year when I ran Iron Chef uh, for Sway in, in my uh, Microsoft course. Uh, giving people that hands-on experience as well as some uh, instruction, I think, is is what's important. I, you know, it's all about structure. They got to know what's coming, and they got to be welcomed into being Jackie, there. Jackie, you're shaking your head. Yes. Because, and you were talking about like structure and like feeling welcome. Like I said before, I, I'm big on relationships and like making people feel like they're part of something and not being talked at and like, oh, well, you don't know this. Therefore, you can't do it. But really kind of building that community. So, yes, I agree with that. And, and just to kind of build on what you're saying, um, 
the structure piece was something that we were big on my old partner and I, when we did a lot of this, these coaching sessions, these longer sessions, um, but we were kind of like flimsy structured people. We would have everything in place. A lot of our sessions were run off of who owns the learning, the Alan November work. And we would have like these, you know, built out um, interactive agendas and we would find ourselves doing things and going off onto different roads with our, with our participants, you know, kind of really doing these hands-on activities and adding to the agenda as we were doing it. And it was just, to me, that was like one of the best times that I had as a coach and running those professional development sessions. Well, let's break this down a little bit because we are, I think we're still in the middle of proposal season for items like FETC. Um, not going to be long before ISTE proposals are coming up. But even so, for many coaches, new teacher orientation is coming up in, at the end of August here. For many of us, that is our first in-district, sometimes multi-hour um, presentation. One of the things that all these major conferences have in common, or even the conversations that you have with your district administrator, is you have to set the proposal. You have to say what you're going to do, how is it going to work. I know for ISTE, they usually look for some kind of an outline. Um, what advice can we give anybody for creating workshop proposals? I know for myself, I put in five or six of them. Maybe they get taken, maybe they don't. But what advice do we have when we're looking at putting in proposals for these multi-hour things that nine, 10 months away? I think uh, it doesn't, I don't think it has to be necessarily an hour long one, the multi-hour ones, but you got to have some kind of a, of a catchy title that's going to bring people in like that. You know, I mean, I'm going to quote Dave Burgess on the whole, on the, on the hooks and everything. Um, like, uh, like Jeff, we were both doing the uh, working in the Google teaching theater in ISTE, you know, in the past, when I haven't got accepted, my my titles were boring. So I got creative, and they accepted my "Rock the Shells," which is all about Google Classroom. So that that just got it got eaten up. So it's a uh, I had to really up my game again on the, on the catchiness. Um, but you, you got to hook people in with, with that with that title. It's, it doesn't seem like a significant thing. It's more about that uh, kind of more about uh, the, the content and the substance. But you know, you got you got to get them in. They I guess they gotta judge the book by, by its cover for a minute. So that, that that's uh, that, that's the first step. We got to get people in the door. Like, like Dave Bird just said, if you're teaching a lesson tomorrow and they had the charge admission, would you be, uh, would you be uh, teaching to a, to an empty classroom? So it, it's that. Well, it's br that. Br break that down for me, because if we're looking at an ed camp, if we're looking at it, is the doing something like Tammy suggested, you know, iron chef, Google docs or something like that. That's a great title. That's a great catch. Personally, if I go into my district and I say, we're doing Iron Chef Google Docs, they're going to look at you like, what? As opposed to you go, Google Docs for beginners, and then suddenly everybody gets it and everybody goes. Do you have a theory or a philosophy, Adam, on you know catchy titles, non-catchy titles? Is it really knowing your audience? How do you work all these different proposals for school PD versus conference PD? Yeah, um, you hit the nail right on the head. You got to know your audience for for an ed tech conference and where people are paying to go. They want to be there. So yeah, the, 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 they're going to eat up those catchy titles. But the people that you work with, that you have to work with, that have to be there because it's part of their contract. Yeah, that that necessarily isn't the isn't the case. They just pretty much want to know in general what they're going to get out of this. So they they may see you being all ed techy and getting flashy with your. Um, with your titles and they, they kind of roll their eyes. Oh, here's the, here's the crazy ed tech guy. You know, here we go. Uh, some people will be into it, but a lot of people may be a little skeptical. So they, they kind of shy away from it and don't really want to mm -hmm. engage. So again, it, it, it's a, there's no magic bullet here, but you gotta, again, like you said, Jeff, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know that audience. Brian, what do you suggest out? What, what, what works out in Ohio? Yeah, so it's actually interesting. I got some inside information here. For the last five years, I've been on the selection committee for ISTE conference sessions. So I've actually been on the other side of it looking at what's coming through. And I tell you, it's a lot of just give us some information. There are so many sessions that are proposed that have like a one title description and it doesn't really tell us what's going on or, or even what's going to be presented. So it's really talk to us about what it is. Tell us what's going to happen. What's the end deliverable that's going to happen? 
Uh, and then, like it's been said, get those flashy titles in there and, and get those interesting things to get people jazzed up and excited about your session. And then, too, a lot of times people are here, they don't necessarily want to be sold a product. That's what the vendor hall is. No offense to our vendor friends. Um, but you don't want to go to a session and it all being about, oh, you have to buy this for this to work. Let's talk about all the free products we have. Let's talk about all the amazing skills and traits that the teachers bring in and can bring in and those types of things. Do you find it helpful when putting proposals in? Because really there's two rounds, right? One of them is the proposal that you're going to read. And then there's the, yes. well, you can adjust everything before we finalize this. Is there a, a, a strategy to, you know, in this session, Brian, we're going to learn X, Y, and Z, but then after you already say yes to it, then can we jazz it up a little bit? What, what is the strategy for getting selected at this? Well, ISTE is so hard to get into that I think you have to jazz it up at the very beginning. I mean, if you're talking about your local, you know, maybe state conference, maybe you don't have to jazz it up as much because they don't get as many proposals. But what is it like 30 some percent or something like that of ISTE proposals actually get to be actually present? You know, Jeff, you said that you put in like five or six, but, you know, do you only get to present one or two of those uh, as you go through? So really, I think your best effort, if when you're talking about an ISTE conference or uh, FETC or something like that, you got to go strong right off the bat. Um, because if you don't pass us, then you don't even get to that next level of being able to, to modify or, or change anything around. What about the category? When we, when we do ISTE, there's a few different options here. Like you can do workshop, presentation, yes. playground. Talk to us a little bit about that, anybody. But then also, you know, do I want to put in for a coaching one versus a Microsoft one versus a Google one? I mean, how, what is that secret sauce here? I think part of the secret sauce so is knowing what the hot topics are right now. Yeah. As I mean, right now, the hot topics are well-being. SEL is a really hot topic right now. So if you've got something to say about that or some way to help teachers incorporate. And I love, Brian, that you mentioned deliverables because that's what it's about. Teachers want things that they can take and use Monday morning, right? So I love that you mentioned that because I think that's important as well. And I think it's too about knowing what types of sessions can be offered at the different conference, because a lot of people think of the traditional 30, 45 minute session, whereas there's the playgrounds, there's the poster sessions and those poster sessions. I actually enjoy doing those more. I don't even put in any more for the regular traditional type of one. I like the posters. I like the playgrounds, those types of things, because they're different and they're in, they're more engaging. And I, I get more out of it myself as the presenter with those types of things. And those are ones that you have a better opportunity to be able to present. So if you're looking for your first ISTE um, uh, presentation, try one of those poster sessions because I think about 50% or more uh, of people actually get into those. So think about what your session is and what, what your topic best works with, um, with the actual session type. You know, I got to be honest, that's really hard. I, I, I personally am the guy that says, if, if this is hot, I'm going to go over there because that might be where one or two people are picking a topic versus 75 people, as Tammy mentioned, is doing social emotional. Any one strategy work for anybody else? I mean, or is, if all of us put in social emotional, we're not all going to get it. I mean, I, I'll just speak to the poster, you know, point. Like, I know I've been denied for many years. I've actually got in on the one in three sessions, like, kind of later on. But this year was my first year actually getting accepted with a proposal. And it was for a poster session. I was like, let me take a different route this year. Let me not do, you know, kind of a traditional session. And, and I was pleased that I got in. I was a little bit surprised. Um, but it was definitely the route that I went because it was like, I think that might be less popular for, you know, the amount of presentations. I, too, read for the... Uh, for those coming in, I always see this, like, you know, I have like 50 that I have to read through or however many. And I'm like, you know, they're all lecture style or all regular PD style. So that was my strategy this year. Go with the poster route. Now, Adam, you and I are going to be doing a session this year on Monday afternoon. Uh, I keep saying it's at the Google booth, but it really Google has a room and they pack that room for three days straight. Um, my session this year is going to be about doing Google animations using slides. I love doing this session. What is yours and what was your philosophy for uh, proposing that particular session at something that you know, you know those are Google people with Google topics? 
Yeah, I love doing the Google Teaching Theater. It's it's almost intimidating because when you walk to the door, there's a line around around the block. Like, there certainly is. And, and at first you're like, oh man, it's kind of intimidating. But you got to remember, they're there for Google. <laughs> that, that, that's what brings them in there. So um, the one I'm doing is called uh, Rock the Shells. It's about uh, creating uh, class shells with the uh, Google Classroom. And the reason why I proposed that this year um, and it got in finally, it's been a couple of years now. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on my idea of a class shell. I actually stole the idea of a class shell from Canvas when I did some uh, uh, working with some teacher ed um, programs and they use Canvas and they always talked about, yeah, we're, we're going to use uh, someone's class shell to build your, your, canvas, your canvas class. So I thought, why don't I do this with Google Classroom? And um, I started doing that for among departments or PLCs where we're sharing assignments, uh, common, common assessments and stuff. And I blogged, I've blogged a lot about it, and my most read blogs ever were about that topic. So I'm like, you know what? Let's propose this idea to Google, just another simple way, a little tweak on on a Google tool that a lot of people use. And lo and behold, it, it got picked up. So you have your session. The proposal has been accepted. It's now time to plan. For some of us, you might have six to eight months to plan. For some of us, like, you know, hey, you're doing this in three weeks. Talk to us a little bit about the planning and preparation, right? What should you be thinking about? What should you be doing? Is it all slides? Do you think half and half? Where should we be thinking with this? Well, you, you got to start with how, how uh, what the format is that, that you signed up for. In this case, it, it's 20 minutes. It, it's it's quick. It's like doing a Pecha Kutra almost, um, uh, which, I, which I enjoy that. Uh, so you got to get through quick and, and really get to the point. Um, you, you, you're going to have a captivated, captive audience because it's Google. They, they really want to be there and want to learn something new and cool. So it's got to be uh, practical, like you said earlier, something they, they can use on Monday morning. So uh, in this in this case, it, it's uh, it's going to be like a drinking water out of a fire hose, but you got to you got it's, it's going to be quick and it, it's a sprint, and you'll be catching your breath after. So you have to cut, you, you have to cut the fat. You don't have a lot of time for demonstration, but it's a lot of good, good practical screenshots and and links that they, they can click on and, and take with them and kind of whet their appetite so they have enough to where they can go explore more on their own. Yeah, no, I think that's really the big key right there is being able to take things from the conference session. Because like you said, you're 20 minutes or even if it's a 45 minute session, you really can't get too far in the weeds or in the depths. So it's more or less you're showcasing this idea and you're encouraging them to look forward. So uh, like you said, how can we continue to, to give them things to take back to their district, take back to their classroom and explore as, as you go through? Yeah, no, I agree. And it goes by so very quickly that part of the planning has to include preparing that package for them, whether it's a Wakelet or a Google Drive or a Google folder that has all of the resources they're going to need. I always like to reassure them at the beginning, don't worry, you're going to get all these resources at the end. If you want to take notes, you can, but let's just, you know, have some fun and, and get through this really quickly. And so I think that's part of the planning is making sure you've got all the things that the teachers are going to need to, uh, to move forward. The cool thing about that Google Teaching Theater, they usually have a uh, professional sketch noter who, who actually, they sketched out on chart paper your, your session. And that's always cool to get that as a gift. It's, it's kind of cool. And uh, I think they, they record it too. So people who missed it, missed something, can go back and record it. So that's always a cool feature of that aspect of the conference. Oh, that's super cool. And when, and when the conferences started adding in that virtual uh, piece um, into or the virtual toolkit or virtual whatever they call it now, where, where you can load stuff up into it ahead of time. Now you can get access to all these different sessions that you didn't really go to. You can get their notes. You can get their information. So people are probably using your stuff, even though they didn't even come to your session in the first time, first place. That digital topic has been a lifesaver. I feel like I've been able to get so much out of that, not being able to see all the sessions. Yeah, glad you brought that up because I know I, I presented at, at Q out here in California uh, a couple months ago, and my sessions were uh, were, were the hybrid ones, or were high flex ones, where I had a room full of people, and then they had me uh, uh, live streaming. And that the funny thing is, I, I got the most feedback from the people who were on the live stream, and they just tweets for days and requests for for more information. And it, it was it was it was an interesting experience. So I, I know uh, I think one of my sessions at ISTE is going to be that. So I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, presenting at an ISTE conference and FETC, those are big deals. We can share that. 
but a lot of get you know a lot of the the, the issue with these conferences and these multi-hour workshops is getting people in the door we're not all going to be at a google booth we're all not going to be at a microsoft booth a lot of it is setting those expectations promoting it ourselves using our own social platform sharing it with friends Talk to us a little bit about your stories. Jackie, do you have any any good stories about how you can uh, use your platform, use your social PLN? How do we get people to come into the door, especially when we are using those those niche topics? Or let's say we are doing a playground and it's, hey, there's me and a table. Stop by. How do you promote this? I bribe my friends. No, I'm there you kidding. go. <laughs> Bribery works. <laughs> you guys are my friends now. Will you come to my session? <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, I mean, it is a lot about, you know, who you're networking with, right? I am part of the, let's say the Google sort of um, the ISTE certified educator group, those folks who I net- talk to all the time, I might say, Hey, I'm going to be at ISTE. This is when my session is. And, you know, I've been a big proponent of kind of when I'm with these folks, I put it out there and I put it out there on my social media. Sometimes I get a little bit awkward about it, but I will shamelessly plug myself. I can see that. I, I I see a lot of people putting out little, you know, here's my graphic I'm appearing at. I've done that. I'd still feel a little weird, like my superintendent's looking at that. Like those are kind of weird. Brian, what do you suggest? How do you get people in the door? These big conferences, a lot of it is just people kind of wandering around and they just kind of fall into things, especially like the playgrounds and stuff like that, because they're just kind of in the middle of the hallways sometimes. So I guess it's having, um, you know, having some music playing, having some cool signs out. Um, when I do sessions that are in rooms, I do like what the teacher is supposed to do. I greet people as they're coming into the room. So I'm pulling people out of the hallway saying, come to my session. Here's what we're talking about. Those types of things. Um, the other thing that I've done um, is I've got with a few vendors and and said, hey, we're talking about something that has to do with such and such. And it has to do with kind of you. Can I put these on your table? And then people can randomly take them as well through. And um, I think that's cool. Um, there's all kinds of things around the, um, the, the, the conference session areas and stuff like that, tables you can put stuff out on. So it's just a matter of, you know, people want to come. They want to be excited. They want to be entertained as well, too. So the more of those types of things you can do. Uh, yeah, wild outfits, Jackie. Yeah, kind of wild outfits and platform shoes. I, I, you know, not for me. If you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. You come, come <laughs> to my session. Come to me because that's one thing I know I can do. I bring my big platform heels, and I'll be rocking those. <laughs> I have to see what that looks come like and check in the that airport. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, what are your secrets? You're giving away five dollar bills to the Google session, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish that kind of money, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of self, uh, self shameless uh, self-promotion. Um, like you said, I, I, I finished my uh, the first iteration of my, my ISD promo graphic uh, yesterday. Um, I have one that, that's waitlisted. I'm waiting to hear back on that before I, I start tweeting it. But like I said earlier, you, uh, you, you stock the badges. Now I stock the hashtag. I, I use TweetDeck and I, I schedule my, my tweets, my promo tweets at certain intervals when I know people are going to be checking their checking their feed, and you know that that that's worked for me for getting people in the door over the years. And I just put it in the chat, but I I, I always promote my sticker buffet because I am a I'm a glutton for stickers and I have tons of stickers and I give away. Um, and people walk in, I'm handing uh, specific ones out, and then I have a little table right there. T- take what you want and. That usually kind of sp- uh, spreads a little, a, a little bit of a cheer and goodwill, and kind of it kind of builds my rep, and that I'm, I'm the guy to go through for for free stickers. So, I like the free stickers idea. That's something I think I'll, I'll look into for ISTE for this year. We yeah, I use set- blue tickets. What was that? I use blue tickets. I you know you- the ones on the roll, but I make mine a little bit bigger, and it's got my session information and everything on there. And I, I shamelessly promote, as we all have said, but I do it at the conference as well. So first moment that I'm there, even at the opening keynote, hey, I'm Tammy Dunbar. I'm from, I'm speaking on Tuesday. If you come and bring the blue ticket, you'll put it in for a raffle. There'll be a drawing. Come and join us. Teachers love free swag, as you've said. So I usually contact some vendors ahead of time and say, hey, can I get some swag to give away? I- I love that idea. I, I, a couple of years, I think it was probably the last ISTE, I was working with a company that did uh, headphones and we gave out free headphones for everybody that walked in or, you know, it was, it was a great little, we're all here to help out each other. I was doing a podcasting session. So it just kind of tied right in there. 
Speaking of these sessions, you never know where you're going to be, right? Even though Isti's really good at saying this room has this, this room has this, you always want to make sure that you're checking with the vendor. Does anybody have any fun stories of getting to a room and the, your expectations of what they have isn't their expectations? Brian, you're, you're shaking your head. You've got to have some kind of a, a fun story here. So it wasn't it wasn't ISTE or Bighorn. It was one of our local conferences, and the room they had me in was completely not set up for anything. I had no microphone, no projector, no nothing in the room, uh, and uh, it was one of those ones where it was coming from the keynote speaker so everybody wanted to see the keynote speaker so i got into the room like five minutes before the <laughs> session started and all these people were already waiting on me and i just went ahead and did it uh, so it's just one of those things just like you know we tell our teachers if the tech's not working you got to improvise so we had to improvise on things um, i shared out the uh the uh, presentation uh in pear deck and we just kind of went with it from there so um you never know so you kind of have to be ready to throw out your script and just, you know, if you can do it digitally, great. If you can do it analog, great. Yeah, totally agree. I always carry a flat uh, Bose wireless speaker with me. It's got really great sound and can fill up a good size room just in case the sound system, which has happened, does not work. I can just plug it right into my, my device and, and we're good to go. Jackie, do you have any uh, love stories or horror stories when it comes to uh, getting into a room that might not be prepared for you? It's not so much getting into the room, but I, I was presenting at the Teaching and Learning Conference and I got injured, so I couldn't make it up there. So they had to Skype me. Actually, I don't even know if it was Skype, they had to Skype me in. And it was just like a nightmare because the audio wasn't working. So they actually had me on the phone and up on the screen and holding it up to the microphone. So I was doing my presentation over a cell phone on a microphone in front of all these people. I was like, this is as good as it gets. And <laughs> snorting, snorting the way I laugh on this microphone. Everyone's just like, what's going on? But that's mine. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. so this is what, what advice do you have? I mean, like, again, if if you're going out to ISTE or any conference, um, you're probably doing some kind of a Google slide deck. We all know that the Wi-Fi sometimes isn't working. What advice do you have, Adam, for, for making sure that, you know, your slides are good, your presentation's there? Um, yeah, you know, I don't think I have any horror stories. Uh, I think the worst room I ever presented in was a, uh, it was like a, performing arts like studio where they had props everywhere and wasn't very conducive for me getting around and kind of drafty and not good acoustics um but when it comes to having to just to wing it you know um i think uh, brian talked about it, his experience and how he said okay i don't have a projector so we're just gonna go to pear deck and you guys can see everything on on, on your own screen instead of me going to mine so that, I, that's the first thing i thought of when you brought up this topic um again having um having a bitly that you could write down somewhere that people can easily easily access is a good, is a good yep. way um i always bring my own clicker um i, I think uh i don't know it was tammy you said you bring your own speaker i do the same thing uh so yeah just having those, those little things up your sleeve just to be able to roll with the punches um again we we, we show up as prepared as we can be but there's always something that we just uh, can't uh can't foresee no, totally. And you've got to, I agree. I, I'm not a, we're a Microsoft district, so I'm a Microsoft person and I've got desktop PowerPoint, so I don't have to worry about the internet. I download any video, so I don't have to worry about connectivity because nothing worse than giving a presentation on educational technology and the educational technology doesn't work, right? So I'll screen record a lot of things just in case things don't work, like showcasing Flipgrid, for example, I'll have something recorded, screen recorded, so that if my live presentation doesn't go right, I can narrate the uh, the one that I've recorded just as a backup plan. A lot of backup plans, huh? It is all about the backup plans. One of the things about ISTE that I love is that the rooms are massive, you know, three, four, five thousand chairs. And sometimes you get that room for your one hour, 45 minute workshop. And you know, you might have 60 or 70 people in the room, but they're so spread out or they're sitting in the back like 100 yards from you. Does anybody have any advice or any good stories of, you know, there I am, I've got a nice audience, but my goodness, I couldn't get them to come closer or 
you know, you really did have to work the room. That was the size of a stadium. Actually, if you ask them, they're usually pretty good about about coming. I mean, I, you when they come in right away and I greet them, you know, we are, you build that relationship right away. And then if you see them spread out, then, you know, get, get down with them and say, hey, I, it's going to kill my voice. Please come closer. And they're usually pretty good about it. Yeah, a um, couple, uh, couple, couple uh, ideas of that. One, um, when I've been in the in the really big rooms at Q in the past, um, I've done sessions where we start off with a with kind of a a, a quizlet live, so it forces them to get up and start meeting people, mm. and that usually brings people closer together. But when you're in those big rooms and it's kind of drafting, they're all spread out. You know, it's it's about the energy you bring. And again, I always try to greet people at the at the front as they walk in, giving away stickers. That that usually helps. But I think, I think Jeff will probably will, will like this analogy here. As presenters, we're we're like we're like professional wrestlers. We have we have to connect w- with the crowd, and if, if you're not getting over where you, you're getting a response out of them from your personality, it doesn't matter how, what, what kind of an expert you are. But if you can connect with them in any way, shape, or form, the way professional wrestlers connect with with the crowd, then you're gonna, you're, you're going to get them closer to you. So, uh, uh, that, that, that's a blog I have in. Uh, it's in beta right now about how uh, educators in general, we have to be like professional wrestlers and the, the, the ones that we all know that they connect with that crowd. So the question must be asked here, Adam, what you're going to do if the audience isn't behind you? So let's see if we can figure out what a good workshop is. I want to kind of go down the ISTE list, right? There's presentations, there's keynotes, there's there's all, all these different kinds of things. My question to you, and we can we can discuss this category by category, but let's just start with what makes a good multi-hour, one hour, whatever presentation? What do you think about when you're trying to plan a large conference multi-hour presentation? I'm going to say interactives, things that get you doing the thing, because when you're doing the thing in that time frame, it makes it more practical and it makes it more exciting. So for me, it's the interactives and doing whatever it is that you're trying to learn. I agree with Jackie 100%. There's got to be interactives. But on top of that, you also need to greet your audiences that are coming in and find a little bit about their stories, because as several of you mentioned earlier, it's that flexibility. I want them to have something that they can take away. And if I'm up there talking about a social studies class and they're all language arts teachers, it's not going to work. Or if somebody has some other kind of a need, if I find out, oh, that's a music teacher, oh, that's a special needs. Now I've got some ideas and now I can put them to work doing something that's going to benefit what they want to learn and not, uh, not just something I want them to learn. When you say interactive, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to do a Nearpod? Does that mean we're going to get around and walk a little bit all of the above? Well, for me, interactive is hands-on because usually when I'm doing workshops, it's it's teaching about using products uh, in the classroom because my my big thing is, uh, great, you've got uh, you know Google Slides or you've got uh, Flipgrid. What does it look like in a real classroom? I, don't show me how to use it. Show me how you use it within the structure of your classroom and how student assignments look and all that sort of thing. So I want them to experience it from the student side. So, okay, here's what Flipgrid is or here's what the, the tool is that we're using for this. Now you take take 15 minutes, play with it. Here's some things to play with, record something. So, yes, I'm going to agree with Tammy on that. It's definitely the doing of the product, but it's also for me uh, the kinesthetic. So we would do like a... a with common sense, the digital citizenship stuff, actually getting up on a, on a line of like agree and disagree with some statements. And we would do like kind of those debates. So I, I also like the actual getting up to do like, you know, agree and disagree and have conversations that way. And I think, you know, we're talking about adult learners, learners here, but a lot of the things that we use with our kids can also, can also um, do the same um, thing. The same so, thing. so really what we're looking at is I've been doing a lot of group presentations where my entire team gets up to and gets on some. Brian, I'm going to pause you right there. Your mic just just went fuzzy. Sound any better? Sound any better? No. And Tammy, you're clipping too a little bit. Am I good? You're good. Okay. Still sound weird. Still sound weird. <laughs> All right. Let me unplug and I'll switch my. I'll switch my. Sure. Uh, somebody want to get the door? <laughs> oh, somebody-
my wife is getting the door. She ordered pizza. <laughs> Tammy. Yes, sir. Okay. You're, you're, you're just kind of in and out just a, a, a little bit. I didn't know if it was your mic or if it was a setting or. I've, I've just played with it a little. How does it sound? Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, one thing that I, I like to do when I uh, prep these uh, kind of uh, session, these longer sessions. Uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, Brian, are, how are we doing? Does this sound better? Oh, there you go. One more, one more time. Does this sound better? Yes. How's my doing? All right. Awesome. All right. So I flipped you guys. That's my visual edit. Um, Adam, take it away, and then Brian will will just pick up where Adam left off. Yeah. Um, I, I've, uh, ever since my experience at the the, the Google Innovator Academy, um, I've uh, tried to incorporate a lot of what I learned there, and it's it's a series of what they call uh, 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 sparks and sprints. So you have these, you know, 10, 15 minute sparks where you have where you where you're delivering information. You're trying to captivate them, then you follow that up with a quick sprint where they get to do where they get to do that that interactive thing and just kind of following the that the ebb and flow of spark and sprint, spark and sprint, and the the, the times uh, tends to go pretty quickly, and people tend to really um, really get get a lot more out of that than just sitting there to be an, an information dub, which that can that's a very easy t- trap to fall into. Yeah, I really like the idea of, you know, switching it up every 10, 15 minutes. So we're really trying to push a lot of blended learning, a lot of station rotation. So we really want to model that for our adults as well, too. So they get to see what it feels like as a student. So I've been doing a lot of group presentations where our, my entire team has been coming with me. And we may have four, five, six stations. Um, so they can use it as a choice board. They can use it as a menu. They can use it as a station rotation. But they are the ones that are getting up and moving around and getting that movement. You know, brain-based research says, People got to move to learn. So uh, trying to model that work for adults to be able to take back to their kids. I like the idea of interaction. I like the idea of keeping things moving every 10, 15 minutes, make something different, keep the audience in mind, move around, present like a wrestler. I love those conversations. That really works if you are one person and you have the floor for an hour. Let's flip that script because um, there's two other things that we've already kind of poked on. One is is playground sessions and the other is poster sessions. And, and these are you're sitting there for two hours, but the audience rotates every could be every one minute, could be every 15 minutes. Uh, Tammy, I see you, you, you're, you're nodding your head here. I'm curious to see what the group says, because I've got a two hour poster session. Sorry, I've got a two hour playground session on showing students how they can tell their stories through podcasting. How do I make sure that I have a perfect, do I need a pitch? Do I need a five minute intro? Do I just stand there and answer questions? How do we get through poster sessions and playground sessions, Tammy? No, definitely there's an elevator pitch. And, and, I, and I mean that sincerely. It needs to be short and hook them in and show them whatever it is that you want them to, uh, because uh, a playground is where you play, right? So it's hands-on. So you got to hook them in, you got to tell them what it's about and then say, here's the thing. And you know, what would you use it for? Maybe ask them a question, have something ready. And then they're going to tell you what they'd use it for and then show them one thing they could do with it. And then say, here, you try. Otherwise you're going to get really tired. (laughs) Yeah, what I've done at playground sessions, uh, something pretty similar. Uh, you got you got to have that basic little kind of a elevator pitch because people are just rotating through uh, pretty constantly. Um, but I like to, you know, uh, encourage. I mean, th- at a tech conference, most people have their own device, but I'll have a I'll have a Chromebook and guest mode. Here, here, you know, uh, let me show you this, um, and then I want you to try it because usually they have like a little screen right there. I'll have some slides that, that I publish to the web that just kind of cycle through. And that usually catches someone's eye and brings them over, and they'll ask about that. I go here, I'll, let's walk you through it. Either use your device or you use my, my spare one right here, and let's uh, let's show you something practical that you can take home and use tomorrow. And I have to be honest with you, I love doing and going to the poster sessions. I just think getting there and 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 being able to talk one on one with the presenter or being able to talk to to people, you, you're going to say the same thing over and over and over again, probably 30, 40 times. 
uh, over that course of the time, but you get more of that community building, that interactivity. You get to learn about the people. Maybe they've got something. Hey, I'm doing this in my school, and and here's some information that I can bring give to you as well. So you're learning as well uh, as the presenter, uh, and being able to have more of that chit chat type of a conversation than a, a formal you know, 30, 40 minute presentation. It's a really good way in my mind to have your first major presentation at a big conference like that. I also feel that ISTE can be overwhelming, like the actual sheer size of it, that the poster sessions do lend themselves to kind of a more calm uh, pace to be able to get more information um, in the most efficient way. And like you're saying, build community, get to learn about somebody else, but it's definitely a way to not feel so overwhelmed with the sessions. What, what, what is that elevator pitch that you need? Hi, how you doing? Let's learn about podcasting. Uh, Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Like what, what, what is that pitch that you're going to be repeating 30 to 40 times? Varies depending upon what your poster session is, obviously. Right. Yeah. You you got kind of, kind of, kind of, quickly read the person coming up to you. Um, a lot of times, you know, um, you know, people who are coming to these things for the first time, maybe they, they got sent there and they think it's a cool idea to come, but they're, they're like, well, if you're a presenter, it's like you're up on this pedestal and they almost feel a little intimidated to come up to come up to you. So with the poster sessions and the playgrounds make you a little bit more grounded and more at their level and they, they're more uh, apt to ask questions. So that's one of the reasons I, I love doing the both posters and playgrounds, but it, it, uh, it, it, it kind of humanizes you because like I've gone to sessions when I was brand new in this, in, the, in this business and there's people that I know I follow on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm fanboying. But like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I, I, they're not going to talk to me. But people forget in this industry, we're, we're, we're the most giving presenters that there are. Like we're, we're so down to earth as compared to a lot of other uh, aspects of education. So it's a it's it's a great way to really connect with those people and and build those relationships. So we're done with our workshop and it's time to wrap up. Um, This is the part of the time where I go into marketing mode. I know for myself, after all my presentations, I usually have a QR code. It usually goes to some kind of a form. That form usually is give me your name and email and I put you on my newsletter. And usually... I have some kind of a drip campaign where you get everything over the course of, you know, X number of days. For me, that works. I I like to think of it as a marketing thing. Um, Tammy, what works for you? Let's kind of go around the corner here. Um, How do you keep in touch? How do you keep track of? How do you know where those, what, you know, where those people are coming from? Yeah. Well, I always let them know that I, just because they came to my, uh, my session, I, that's not just a 60 minute session or a 45 minute or a 20 minute. I, I'm still there for them. So as with you, I give them a little QR code. It's up on the screen, but I have cards too with all my digits, same as I do for my students, families and, you know, contact me, let me know. I put wakelets together uh, wakelets are great. So I can put together, you know, all the links and all the videos and everything in there. I also upload my entire presentation so that if they want to go back and, and rewatch anything that they can, uh, I want them to have all the resources that they need. And, and just like you, Jeff, uh, there's a form survey in mind where I get name and email. And so they get on the list and, and reach out and uh, I can go back and say, oh, hey, I can make my little email list with my BCCs and, and blast something out and say, oh, hey, I'm coming up to this conference or, oh, hey, here's a new thing, what we talked about, or, oh, I said I'd follow up. Here's something. Oh, gosh. Follow up. If someone asks you a question you don't know, right, be sure that you've got their name and their email address and find out and get back to them within a week if you can. So I'm not very good at, at you know, the whole like kind of taking everybody's information and staying in contact formally. So I just kind of do the whole Here's my QR code with my email and my Twitter. And I tend to stay in touch with people through Twitter, um, build my network that way. And then if we become real close friends, I'll follow you on Instagram and we'll kind of connect that way. But uh, no, it's really just for me, it's mostly Twitter and just, you know, follow up through email. But I'm not so formal with it. And I could probably take some pointers from you guys. So learning a lot here. Yeah, I think I take a page out of uh, all your books there and there, um, which is on how you uh, kind of finish off a session. I, I have a 
I have a slide template that I use when I build every every slide deck. And the first and last slide is my contact information. It's a picture of my family, all my certifications. Here's my 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 Twitter, Instagram handles. It's all the same. Uh, a link to, to uh, uh, <clears throat> subscribe to my blog, uh, build that mailing list, uh, my personal email address. Um, I don't quite go the full blown John Carippo, but uh, I, I I do steal a quote from him that I learned from him many years ago. He's like, Hey, when you have a session with me, you have free tech support for life. Here's all my contact information. Reach out to me with us today, tomorrow, a year from now. I always tell them I respond within 48 hours, try to hold myself to that. And that kind of makes me feel a little, a little bit more approachable to people. And uh, I, I'll, I'll, my email will blow up after, after a session and I do my best to keep track of it. Cause you know, we're, 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 we're givers in this business and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to really build those relationships. And heck, I have a I have a video call on Saturday morning with someone who went to a session who I, I responded to. So yeah, uh, you know we're we're, we're in this business because it, it, it's a calling. We're we're junkies for PD and we love it, and that's why that's why why we're doing this. And I think I'm in the same boat as Jackie. I don't do a good job of this either. Um, you know, I give out here's my Twitter account, here's my email account, here's the link to the website with all my presentations on it. Um, please let me know if you need need something but unfortunately i just don't have the time and availability to be able to do you know have i don't have a newsletter i haven't written a book or anything like that um so it's it's more uh it's more social media type stuff that i'm i'm, I'm willing to do yeah and you can do that on social media as well i mean oftentimes after a conference i'll post you know with the hashtag for the conference and thank everybody who came to my sessions and oh by the way if you didn't get the qr code here it is and oh hey if you came to my session don't forget you know, go ahead and be fearless. Why not try out? Why not uh, put in a proper a proposal for this upcoming uh, conference? Right. I like to give out a challenge uh, or something for them to do that'll that'll maybe find their brave. ISTE Live 22 is happening on June 26th through 29th. It is going to be a hybrid uh, program. Many of us are going to see each other for the first time in a long time down in New Orleans, but that's not the only way you can participate. You can, of course, do the virtual. Um, and launching this month, we have a brand new ISTE Community Leaders podcast called The Edge. Uh, we've got three episodes that are out right now as you're listening to this. You can head on over to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, our first episode, we were so impressed and so lucky to have Richard Collada on, the CEO of ISTE, talking all about what he feels ISTE is and where ISTE is going. Episode number two, we talked all about ISTE in New Orleans, what to expect, where to eat, what to dress like, how comfortable your shoes could be. And launching this week, we're going to have episode three with the great Camilla talking all about the ISTE virtual conference and what you can expect. So no matter how you're listening to this podcast, you can, of course, be a part of ISTE and we would love to have you guys be a part of our Ask the Tech Coach network. Don't forget to head on over to askthetechcoach.com and check out all of that great stuff. So we've gone through this whole concept of putting on presentations. I want to do one more round robin. What advice do you have going to the conference for the first time? What do you expect? How do you survive? Adam, I'm going to start with you because I'm, I'm on isteconference.org and my goodness, you're smiling right at me here on this site. What advice do you have to, for anybody who's going to these large conferences this summer? Well, ISTE's, man, it's, it can be like drinking water, water out of a fire hose. It's huge. It's massive. So bring comfortable shoes. Make sure you hydrate. This is an EdTech conference. We're, we're not a bunch of stuffed shirts. We're not all, we're not all dressed up all fancy. We're, we're a lot of us are in T-shirt, jeans, shorts. So dress, dress comfortably because it, it's a lot of walking. Your step counter is going to get a workout. So definitely keep track of your steps. Um, and, you know, like I said, if there's such, there's too many sessions. You, you'll never make all the ones you want, but make sure you – you are going through that digital tote. You're going through the hashtag uh, uh, social media and, and and get all your information there. That's the, that's the part of the – just uh, don't overextend yourself. Have a good time. Reach out to the presenters. Like I said, we, we're a very giving bunch. Keep an eye out for all the all the meetups and the and the after-hour stuff. I know uh, Jeff and I, you, you, we're looking forward to the Flipgrid thing. Uh, that's always a blast. And get to know the vendors and stuff and just absorb as much as you can. But uh, hydrate. Um, and get some good sleep when you can. <laughs> Adam, where do people find uh, all? Where do people find all the great stuff you're doing? Uh, you can find me on on social media at TechCoachWaters and on my website TechCoachWaters.com. Brian, what advice do you have? 
Yeah, I completely agree with everything Adam just said. Um, in addition to that, um, if there is a session you really, really, really want to go to, skip the one before it. So that way you make sure you get in. Because sometimes ISTE, if there's not a seat, ISTE won't let you into um, the conference session. So you don't want to miss out on one. And like, like Adam said earlier, there are some that are there are lines down the hallway um, to be able to do. Uh, the other thing is print out on little mailing address labels uh, your name, your email address, your phone number, uh, and your school name because you're going to be writing that down hundreds and hundreds of times in the vendor hall. And I've just found you can just take a sticker out, slap it on the little the raffle ticket or whatever it is that they have, and then that way you don't have to sit there and get writer's cramp um, writing your name and, and phone number and address all over over and over again. And where do we learn more about the great things that you're doing, Brian? So I'm on social media. Everything is at Seymour Educate. Jackie. Yes to everything Brian just said, especially with having your name written down because there's nothing worse than having to write that over, over and over again. My advice is to have a strategy going in, some type of strategy, maybe a theme that you're going with for next year, things that you want to accomplish. Um, you want to do SEL in tech, then that's the stuff you're going to look for. Try to narrow it down. There's a lot of stuff and it becomes overwhelming, like we said. So definitely have a theme, have a focus, but also be flexible. Because like you said, you're not going to get into everything. You're going to get locked out. So be flexible, have a contingency plan. Worst comes to worst, go to the vendor hall and walk around and put your name in raffles. Where can we learn more about the great things that you're doing in New York? You could find me on Twitter at Jay Patanio. Tammy. Uh, my best advice, and, and I agree with everything everyone said, beautiful advice. I'm going to talk about the vendor hall, which is overwhelming, and you definitely need good shoes for that. But yeah. my first few times at conferences, I would walk right down the middle of the aisles, and I wouldn't walk close to the booths, and I'd be kind of shy about talking to anybody because I was afraid of getting pitches. And then as I started going to more conferences, I realized when I actually walked up and just started talking to the vendors, I not only learned more, but I, I got more stuff. I got more information. I got more, oh, oh, you're trying to do this. Well, have you thought of that? Or there's a booth over here. So don't be afraid to go up and talk to vendors and ask questions. Okay. That's going to, and yeah, they have freebies. Go ahead and take those. We're teachers. That's our favorite F word free, but go ahead and talk to them. Don't be shy. You're going to be absolutely amazed at the things you're going to learn just in the vendor hall, let alone in the conference and with the keynotes and yeah, have fun and meet a lot of people, make connections. Badge stock. That's, that's, that's the word of the day here is badge stock. Tammy, where can we, where can we learn more about you? Where can I badge uh, stalk you? On the Twitterverse at Tammy Dunbar. And you can also find me on the live from NCCE uh, that we do monthly. I'm an NCCE professional learning specialist. And I do that, uh, that as well. I want to say thank you to all of our co-hosts here. And I want to say thank you for listening to this show. My biggest piece of advice, and this is just listening to what everybody says and trying to mash it all together. If you're at the conference, you're given a lanyard. That lanyard is usually some kind of a plastic thing that you can put stuff in. I'm going to make something that looks about the size of a three by five card. I'm going to have two QR codes. One of them is going to be the QR code to my LinkedIn, and the other is going to be the QR code to my Twitter. And if you don't know how to do that, open the LinkedIn app and open the Twitter app. They'll give it to you. And so that way, when I come up to somebody, hey, you want to meet professionally? Great. You want to meet socially? Great. Make it as easy as possible to stay connected. I might even have a third one, which is, hey, give me your email address for newsletter purposes. But a lot of that stuff just comes down to find an easy way to communicate. And, and I love the term badge stock. I'm stealing that one for the next show. In fact, we might even do a show called Badge Stalking Live. There you go. Badge stocking live from ISTE 22. Adam, yeah, well, Brian, I'm coming that. after you guys. <laughs> I hope this episode was good. Um, we're going to be doing one more ISTE-based uh, episode. Next week, we've got Jennifer Thomas coming on the show. She's doing an hour-long workshop all on being an instructional coaching ninja at ISTE. And we invited her to come on and give us the preview of that. So don't forget to hit next week. That's going to be episode 197. 
And there's so much more stuff going on as we head over to the summertime. We would love to have you guys be a part of our instructional coaching family. Head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Sign up for our Facebook group. We're almost at 500 people. Would love to have you guys be the 500th person and would love to also meet you guys at ISTE. Don't forget to check us out. We're going to be doing a Google workshop on Monday afternoon at, uh, Adam, what is it, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock? Something like that. Look for the line for people waiting to get into Eric Kurtz. I'm yeah. the next one. Adam's after that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's all I'm thinking about. All these people are going to be lined up to see Eric. I'm going to just walk in the door with you, Adam. We're, we'll make sure all this happens. And then if you want to learn how to have your students tell amazing stories about themselves through audio podcasting, we're going to be doing that on Tuesday at 2 to 3 o'clock. And don't forget, these are central times. I keep reminding myself as I put that on my Eastern Coast time calendar. These are central time zones. You don't want to be an hour late for your thing. Guys, I want to say one more time, thank you so much. On behalf of Jackie and Tammy and Brian and Adam and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Fredberry, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.